Jesus does not merely provide us life, He is our life. Today on Daily in the Word, Dr. Paul Chapel reveals how we can be alive in Christ. Now I get tickled at people that sing about the resurrection power and they talk about the resurrection power, but their life is no different from that person that is unsaved. They walk the same walk, talk the same talk, tell the same jokes, party the same way. They want to talk about grace. They have no understanding of the resurrected power of the grace of God because their life is absolutely no different. God did not send Jesus merely to get us to heaven, but to get heaven in us. He is the basis of our life, abiding in us, transforming us from the inside out, and guiding every area of our life. Welcome to Daily in the Word. This program features the teaching and preaching of Dr. Paul Chapel, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. Spiritual activities done in our own strength are broken and empty. In our series, Alive in Christ, we will learn how to put our pride and selfish motivations behind us and live a life directed and empowered by Jesus Christ. And now, here's Dr. Paul Chapel with part two of a message called An Identity of Grace. Now, there are some people that don't want to accept their need for change. I heard recently about a, a man that went to the doctor and the doctor said, look, you've absolutely got to give up red meat. So he has stopped putting ketchup on his hamburgers. It's uh, a start. <laughs> there are some people, they, they don't want to change. There are actually people that come to church, God only knows why, who never intend to change. Folks, I don't know about you, I've got to grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And only by the power of grace can we change. Now, God changed the Apostle Paul's life. In fact, his name wasn't even the Apostle Paul, was it? His name was Saul. Now let's think about the power of this grace. Notice, first of all, grace covers the past. Grace covers the past. Verse 9, he says, I persecuted the church of God. Now that's an amazing statement. Let's think about that. I persecuted the church of God. Remember that on the road to Damascus, when the Holy Spirit was convicting him, Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? In other words, when you persecute the church, you are persecuting the Lord Jesus Christ. And the apostle Paul had taken Christians to prison. He had overseen in the taking of their lives he was a man that hated the church. In fact, give you a few thoughts. Look at Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. This is speaking about the martyrdom of, of uh, Stephen. Saul, Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Verse 3. And Saul, for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. The apostle Paul, 
I think, had a little sick kind of joy in bringing these Christians to jail. Uh, Acts 26, notice in your notes, verse 11, and I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to, to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even into strange cities. And when they were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Now, every once in a while, I'll meet somebody who says, well, I'm too great of a sinner to get saved. I've had uh, ladies tell me I've, I've had an abortion. I cannot be saved. And abortion's a tragic, tragic situation and terrible situation and sinful situation of our day. But there is no sin too great that God's grace cannot cover. I've had people say, well, I've lived a very immoral life or I've taken drugs or all of these different things. And I just want to quickly say, grace covers the past. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. God says, my grace will cover your past. And, and the Apostle Paul had literally taken the lives of Christians, uh, uh, not a candidate, you might say, for membership. Most churches did not perhaps want him to be their member, but God loved him and God provided a way for him. Romans 5 and 20, moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Let's read that together, shall we? Romans 5, 20, ready to begin. Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Let's try that again. Grace did much more abound. Very good. You ought to say amen. I agree. I'm happy that grace abounded because were it not for grace, I don't know where I would be, the songwriter said. And so we see the wonderful grace of Jesus. Now, you can try to deal with your sin in your own way. You can act like it's not that bad. You can rationalize it. You can do various different things. You could buy papers. You could try to erase this and try to erase that. And some people do that. They live their whole life trying to cover but what we want to see this morning is God has already covered it by the blood of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace covers the past. There's no sin too great that God's grace does not supersede or conquer through Jesus Christ. Grace covers the past. Now, let's notice then, secondly, grace gives a new identity. And this is our focal point today, our identity in grace, the identity through grace that we have. Verse 10 says, but by the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, here we see uh, an established identity. And again, sometimes uh, people struggle with this and they feel unworthy and they feel like they're not a part and they don't feel necessarily accepted. I heard about one man who was struggling with some self-esteem issues and, and uh, he sat down to write in his journal. He kind of frowned and he thought for a moment and he, he began to write. He said, dear diary, I'm sorry to bother you again. Now that's the sign of a man who's really struggling, isn't it? You know, folks, we, we see so many times people that just struggle with who they are, with their value, with do they measure up. We see it in teenagers, but let me tell you, it's found in adults as well. And this is, an, this is a passage that tells us that God wants our identity to be established by the cross and by his grace. We have an established identity. Now notice this in verse 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am 
what I am. Would you say that with me, please? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. One more time. But by the grace of God, now it doesn't say I am what I was. It says I am what I am. Do you ever stop to think about it? Do you ever stop to think about who you are now because of grace? Who you are now because of Christ. Do you ever think about it? Or do you just let the devil tell you who he wants you to be and who you used to be? Probably one of the greatest travesties of Facebook and social media has been to watch so many people that get saved and they take off for Jesus Christ and then pretty soon they start on this fishing expedition and there's people out there constantly trolling somebody they knew 20 years ago and 30 years ago and from high school and from college and and, and here you are saying, I am what I am by the grace of God, but there's always going to be people saying, why don't you come back and be what you were? Come on back to the reunion. Come on back and meet with me. You say, Pastor, sometimes you just, you know, you, you, you're kind of negative. No, no, no. If you would just take a week and do counseling with me about real life situations where people uh, have been brought back to where they were instead of living with the identity of who they are in Jesus Christ. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. So have you thought about it lately? Someone could say, Paul, well, what do you mean I am what I am? I believe he might say things like this. I am forgiven. I am justified. I am sanctified. I am a child of God. I am accepted. I I am a saint. I am a believer priest. I am loved. I am empowered. I am secure. I am sealed until the day of redemption. I am what I am by the grace of God, and nobody can ever take that from me. That is my present-day identity. I am what I am by the grace of God. It is an established identity. And may I say to you, it is an eternal identity. It is something that is Uh, God's view of you now and forevermore. What sin are you talking about, he might say. He doesn't see that sin. He sees the work of Christ over you, Ephesians 1 and 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now don't just let the pastor kind of say words. I want you to find those words in your notes or turn there in your Bible, Ephesians 1, 6. Teenagers, find it. Ephesians 1, 6. I want you to see when Paul says, I am uh, who I am by the grace of God. I am what I am. Notice in Ephesians 1, 6, it says that we are to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein, by this grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Let's say that verse together. Ready? Begin. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us You don't have to smoke a joint to be somebody. You don't have to sin and live in immorality to be somebody. You don't have to lie to be somebody. You don't have to try to climb the corporate ladder to be somebody. You don't have to try to make money to be somebody. You are already somebody. You're a child of God, accepted of God, a child of the King. You are heaven bound. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. You are who you are by the grace of God. You are a completed work in the sense of your sanctity. 
sanctification. As God sees you through the cross, I want you to recognize grace created a new identity for you. That's why the Bible says, keep yourselves, Jude verse, Jude verse number uh, maybe 12, keep yourselves in the love of God. Don't go outside of God's love looking for acceptance. God's already given you all the love and acceptance that you need. That's why the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God says, this is your identity. This is who you are. Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. I don't need to try to climb up in my, uh, in my worldly reputation. What matters to me now is who I am in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And that is your identity. And that is not a temporal tattoo identity. It's an eternal identity in the eyes of God. The power of grace, very simply stated, gives us a new identity. I'm not what I was. I'm not what I want to be in the sense of Christian growth, but what I am, I am by the grace of God. It is his work in me. So we see the price of grace, that's Calvary. We see the power of grace to give us a new identity. Notice finally the product of grace. Now notice this quickly, verse 10, he says, but by the grace of God I am what I am, And this grace, or his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Now, let's just pause right there. The grace that was bestowed on you, was it in vain? You say, well, no, I I get to go to heaven, and that's wonderful. But Paul said there was more than just going to heaven. He said, God saved me, and he put his grace on me, and it wasn't in vain. And notice what he says about that in verse 10. He says, but... I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Now notice, first of all, the bestowal of grace. He said, it was bestowed upon me. That is to say, it was conferred upon me. It was God that gave this grace. It was God's gift to him. It wasn't something he earned. It was something that was gifted. And the Bible is very clear that that the Spirit of God uh, is a gift and that the leading of grace is a gift. It was the bestowal of grace given to him. But notice secondly here in this verse, the behavior of grace. Now, if you are saved, and if you have a new identity, and if you now no longer need to act out in worldliness to be identified, to be accepted, to feel loved, then what does grace really do in our lives? People talk about being in the grip of grace, and I I see people thanking God for grace and then binging and then thanking God for grace and then sinning and then thanking God for grace and they're in the grip of grace and they're just keeping it real. And I would propose to you that someone that is in the grip of grace, somebody that understands their identity in Christ is not binging and going back and going back into the world in order to find a little more of that identity. I would propose that someone that is growing in grace is living a very distinct life. It is the Christ life. They are alive to Christ. Someone fishes at them from their old high school class. They're not interested in that bait because it doesn't really tempt them as much anymore. They are alive to the things that God is doing in their life. So what is the behavior of grace? Let me give you a few thoughts here. Grace, first of all, 
will lead us to a godly life. Romans 6 and 1. Could you look at this in your notes? Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, I won't take time to delve into it, but there's a proliferation, and it seems like it's been about twice since I've been here in the ministry, and maybe 20 years ago, it's kind of coming back again. There, there's, a, there's this wave of uh, teaching that is antinomian or against the moral truths of the Bible that, that comes around every so often, and it emphasizes the idea that because of grace, one can live how they want to live. In fact, some extremes of it, I've seen people even saying, I don't even have a sin nature, they say. If you don't have a sin nature, why does the Bible tell you to die daily? That's, that, that would lead to something called sinless perfection, which is a false doctrine, and there's only one that's sinlessly perfect, and his name is Jesus Christ. So I would propose to you that uh, grace is not our license to live how we want to live. Shall we continue in sin that, uh, the, that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Notice in Romans 6, 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your, your members of, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. As those that are alive from the dead, there's that resurrected life and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So scripturally, grace will lead us to godliness. When Paul said, I am what I am, he wasn't saying, that's it, I'm just me, and uh, it's just, you know, just the way I am. I just, I drink, that's just the way I am. I sin, that's just the way I am. That is not what he was saying. He's saying, I'm different, I'm living a resurrected life, and I am what I am, and all of this wonderful life that I'm living, it's by the grace of God. I don't deserve it. I know who I was. I know what I did. I know how bad it was, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, you see. His life had been changed. And this cheapening of grace that we sometimes hear about leads to churches full of people living lives that are not according to the scripture but feeling sugar-coated in their spirit about it because of a false doctrine of grace. Grace will lead us to living a life that is resurrected for Christ. But notice secondly, grace also leads us to labor for Jesus Christ. Now, this is important because motives matter. In other words, why we serve, I believe, is as important as how we serve or where we serve. Why do you do what you do? So look at this in context, verse 10. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly that they all, than they all, yet not I, watch this now, but the grace of God which was with me. So Paul said this inner working of God, the grace of God, 
caused me to labor. It, 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 it motivated him. He said, I labored. The, the word here speaks exactly what you think it's saying, to, to the point of exhaustion or toil. And he says, I labored more abundantly. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8, and God is able, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always, having all sufficiency, may abound to every good work. In other words, God says, I don't want you to try this in your own strength. And I know you're going to get nervous when you witness, but I'm going to give you the grace to say what needs to be said and to know what to say and what not to say. And I'm going to work through you, God says. I'm going to give you the grace. And Paul said, I labored more abundantly, but it wasn't really me. It was God in me. It was the grace of God poured out upon me and the behavior of grace. All I'm saying to you this morning, if you're growing in grace, your life will be a distinctive life and your labor will be a labor that is lovingly poured out for God. And you're not singing or serving or witnessing because you have to, but it is the outpouring of what God has been doing in your heart. And whether that's uh, giving in our special offerings, or whether that's in your labor at home for your family, whatever it is, it's to be the outpouring of grace. And I find it amazing, people that want to flaunt the word grace. And they don't say, Grace is all over me. I've got to go to Africa and preach the gospel. They say, grace is all over me. I don't even have to go to church if I don't want to. Totally different concepts of grace. Where are the people who would say, the grace of God is on me, and that's why I work in the nursery, and that's why I go to choir practice, and that's why I love my family. I mean, as Paul said, the grace of God is all over me, and that's why I labor, and it's not me. It's God laboring in me. Listen, where are the people that would say the grace of God is at work in my life, and I'm praying for revival. Today, we're hearing just the opposite. Well, I'm under grace. Don't tell me I can't do that. You see, when grace is in your life, You don't labor less. When you're growing in grace, you don't hang around God's people less. Well, I just don't want organized religion. I'm just getting back to the basics. Why don't we just honestly say what it is? The behavior of grace is a wonderful, new, resurrected life. God never intended for us to serve in our own strength, but by his grace, he calls us to witness, serve, to help. And the Bible even says in 2 Peter 3 and 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we don't want to labor or serve or love. And the reason is not because the church asks too much or I'm too tired or I did it before. The reason is, listen, we're no longer growing in grace like we once were. That's why growth is a lifelong process. Grow in grace. Perhaps there's some here this morning who need to experience the saving grace. Remember where we started this message? That someone preached the gospel Someone received the gospel and they were saved. There might be someone today that needs to be saved by grace. And there might be others today who just need to honestly say, Pastor, whether it's been some phony doctrine of grace or whether it's just been uh, that you have not yielded your heart to God's grace, there might be someone that just says, Pastor, I need to get back to growing in grace. 
I need to get back to that place where God is alive, his resurrection power is alive, and where I'm dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto Jesus Christ. I need to grow like I once grew in my Christian life. And that's what this series is all about. It's about being alive in the grace of God. And I propose to you that when you are, then you can say with the Apostle Paul, I am what I am by the grace of God. And you know, when Paul got to the end of his life, he said, the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I am now ready for my departure. He was not holding on to this world. He was ready to be with his Lord. God's grace prepares the way for life and for eternal life. I am what I am by the grace of God. You've been listening to Daily in the Word with Dr. Paul Chappell, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. If you'd like to connect with Pastor Chappell on Facebook or Twitter, go to paulchappell.com and click on his social media links. While you're there, be sure to sign up for his free Daily in the Word email devotional and take a look at all the helpful resources. Again, that's paulchappell.com. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Dr. Chapel serves as a pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church, and he is the author of many books. But most of all, he has a passion and love for you. If you've been helped through Dr. Chapel's ministry, he'd love to hear your story. Visit us on our website today, where you can listen to today's entire message, become a partner in the Word, and sign up for Pastor Chapel's Daily in the Word email devotional. Visit us at paulchapel.com. And thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to discover God's answers for today's challenges here on Daily in the Word.